Welcome back to another episode of Corked Up. I'm Jess Kleinschmidt. And I'm Rachel Luba. Cheers. Cheers. I like your hair. Thank you. I have I had to step up my game. I had tapings today, but I had to look extra good if I'm sharing the this with you. So you know how, how it goes. What's our wine word today, Mama? Our a wine word today is tender. Which is one of my favorite forms of chicken which is perfect. Um, this is the non-chicken tender deadline. Um, we, we've talked about this in the past. Um, we obviously have talked about arbitration. I know you ha- you're like ass deep in arbitration, not just you know your job, but you have your YouTube show going on with that. Actually, before we get into anything, I'm just gonna remind everybody, Mama's a top 30 under 30 for Forbes, ladies and gentlemen. Can we just, I hope they can put like, applause in there first of all holy shit dude how did you find out that happened um well I even found out the nomination like or I found out that I was even nominated because I guess there's in each category there's like 10,000 um nominees and then they they start their rounds of it and they start voting down and I guess I found out uh I got an email and I was confused who even nominated me because they said I had made it like through the first round or something Mm -hmm. um so I was kind of like surprised um because I had talked to like the publicist that we have and the goal was kind of to do it I guess to go for it next year when I'm 29 Mm -hmm. um so I didn't even I wasn't even trying to do it this year um and then I did, our publicist told us that, uh, or like she sent me a text saying that they were going to announce it at six. I thought she said 6 p.m. Eastern. That sounded right to me, um, right. like six Eastern today. I guess she did say 6 a.m. Eastern. Oh, and Ew, I was who like, announces stuff that early? That's what I said. I was like, so, cause she goes, I was up till three in the morning waiting to hear cause she's on the West coast. And I'm like, why would you even wait up? Like, why wouldn't yeah. you just go to sleep and then wake up? But this is the plight of us West coast people. Uh, so apparently it was announced at 3 a.m. Um, while I was sound asleep uh-huh. and then I woke up to a bunch of texts that I, from people on the East coast, one of them being our good friend, Britt mm-hmm. and people congratulating me. Yeah. Um, she sent, she's Britt Drilly sent me and Rach a group text saying like, this is so cool. And I didn't even know either. So I was just like, thanks. What is she talking about? <laughs> yeah. I woke up to some texts. That was, that was the only way that, um, I had found out, but yeah. It was pretty cool because um, I've always seen that and been like, that would be so cool to be honest. Forbes is big dick energy, Rach. That's big. Di- well, diva. I'm going to say like less be big dick energy and big diva energy, but I feel like big dick energy is so I, cool. Oh, I like big D. Yeah. I have big, di- big dick energy. Now. I do too. I love it. Um, And I'm going to do kind of a like brush off your shoulder. So you posted that you, you obviously made the, the Forbes list on Facebook and I wrote three hearts to comment. And I think if I'm not mistaken, your mom liked my comment, but I didn't see her liking anybody else's comment. So I'm just saying my mom. Yeah. Just saying she better have liked my comment. I mean, well, maybe you're her new favorite child. I'm just saying, I'm just going to put that out there. Um, but yeah, no, congratulations. I'm legitimately so proud of you. It's so fucking badass. Like, I'm not even kidding. That's like I said, Forbes, 
Fuck yeah, dude. That's amazing. Um, so we're going to go into the non-tender trade deadline. Um, I don't even know how I'm awake right now. I'm dealing with all of that stuff. And we've already talked about this, but the one thing I was curious about, just because I handle it from the media. So in the past, I kind of get it now, but in the past, you know, say for instance, the deadline happens, this is like trade deadline stuff, all kinds of deadline stuff. So say for instance, a move has happened, um, a move has happened, contract signed, whatever. But then that's three hours after this actual deadline has occurred. So I'm curious what has to happen before the deadline, before maybe I would hear about it in order and then that because a lot of people are confused right so three hours after the deadline these moves are quote being made they're not being made they're just being announced so up until the deadline what has to occur in order for it to actually make the deadline official yeah so uh the the non-tender deadline is a little bit different in the sense that um there aren't it's not really like the exchange deadline you have to have the agent and the uh team basically come to an agreement on something. Whereas the tender deadline, they're just, or the non-tender deadline, what they're going to do is they're essentially going to send over to the commissioner's office, the teams are, and it'll get reported to the union as well, that they are going to tender a contract to these players on their roster. So everyone they decide not to will essentially be non-tendered. And so any any um they have until 8 p.m eastern to do that literally 801 if like if you decide if you don't come to an agreement on a contract after 801 then that contract basically or sorry if you come to an agreement anytime before 8 801 8 o'clock then it's considered a pretender deal that deal means that first of all the reason that an agent and a team would probably do a deal like that is because they're concerned that come 8 p.m., the team will not tender them a contract. And so what they're going to do is they're going to take a slight discount usually on their what their arbitration value would be to be basically to be assured and guaranteed a contract. So they'll do a pretender deal at maybe slightly less of a dollar figure than if they went through arbitration. But so come eight o'clock, the teams will have a decision whether they're going to tender or not. They will tender everyone that they decide they want to keep a contract at eight o'clock. And, you know, we'll get like us agents would get advised that, okay, the team has tendered a contract. If they don't tender you a contract, you are non-tendered, you are now a free agent. And so, but, but this free agent market is very different than a normal free agent market. This is not a yay, Trevor Bauer's a free agent kind of market. George Springer's a free agent. Like this is a free agent market. You don't want to be a part of usually. And and why is that? It's be, I mean, because what, what you're essentially saying is that, and what the team's saying is that we, the team doesn't think you're worth paying what you would get in the arbitration system. And the reason they don't think you're worth that because the system, when you're in the, in the system, in arbitration, that those contracts can only be cut at a maximum of 20% of your previous salary. So they can't cut you, cut your salary any more than 20% of what you got this last previous year, and even 20%, even for them to give you basically the same salary, 
even if you aren't going to, if you're going to be injured all next year, they pretty much can't do that. Like they're going to have to give you somewhat of a raise. Okay. So the reason basically in system, they don't, they'll non-tender you if they don't want to keep you in system and they just want to pay you a lot less or the team, you know, has enough, enough depth at less of a cost and thinks you're not worth paying that. So hopefully that kind of explains what, why they would non-tender a player. Um, And then everyone else who gets tendered a contract nothing is going to happen now until like later the first week after the new year. Like there'll be no contract. We see all these, we see contracts happening right now because they're pre-tender contracts. They're contracts where the player and the agent have a good feeling that the team probably won't tender them and they don't want to test the free agent market. So they're going to take a slight discount and just get a deal done before the deadline. Okay. That's interesting. Um, And you mentioned, you know, you don't want to be a part of this free agency. And I think we know from the beginning we talked about, it's very unprecedented. You think I said that word so many fucking times, I'd be better at it. I cannot say that word unprecedented off season, season, all the things. But I noticed like there's some contracts that are being signed. I'm just going to think about Mike Miner only because I just covered him with the A's and he had the ability kind of what Drew Smiley did to turn a small contract into a bigger somewhat longer contract. Um, And so kind of opening up to looking like starting pitchers, that market's looking good for them. I'm curious because we talked about it. I don't want to say certain teams, but it's the truth. Teams are saying it's going to be a bloodbath for the free agents, but it looks like it's not as bad as they maybe have said. So were they full of shit or do we still have to see if it's actually going to be a bloodbath or not? Cause it looks like it's pretty promising for a client such as Trevor. Yeah. So, okay. So when I said like, you don't want to be a part of this free agency, it doesn't mean this, I mean, maybe you don't, but like this specific one, it's basically, you don't want to be a part of a free agent. Like you don't want to be a free agent who gets non-tender because your market is very different. Gotcha. It means basically your, whatever your value would be around in arbitration, it's going to be less than that. So it's not like the traditional free agency that once you get six years of service, these are people, players that are less than six years, that free agency. So so the, I think, the ones less than six years, that's a different free agency than yeah, somebody of Trevor's being, caliber. Right. Being a Got free it. agent before six years of service cool. is, is a different type of free agency. Different yeah. ball game. Yeah. Love it. Um, so look, but the market, the market's been fine. You know, um, you have Morton, like Morton, he's older and he got a pretty good deal and people don't realize too. He, he wanted to be around his family. He wasn't really going to play anywhere outside of Florida and, um, Atlanta, um, Atlanta spring training is right around, uh, right. I think where his family lives in Florida. So, you know, his, if, if you narrow or if you limit your, you know, choices of potential suitors to basically three teams, you know, your value is going to be limited as well. Um, you know, if he was open to going to a lot of other places, it probably could have been higher. Um, but you know, so, but he did fine. Um, but That's look at big, the big energy though, too. I love a guy toward the end of his career, like the Cole Hamels mm-hmm. who can kind of nitpick and pick and choose where they want to go. I love that because that's where they want to retire. It's where they want their kids to be raised. It's, it's, it's more of a lifestyle choice. And, you know, over his a couple of years, Morton did really well, you know, so I don't think he's, he's, that's where he got to be a little bit more picky, which is cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, when you when you are a free free agent, when you earn free agency rather than you are forced into free agency, that's the big difference. And yeah. when you earn free agency, you can you can have all the big dick energy. You want. I mean, you can choose where you go. It's going to be at a price, but in general, you pretty much can choose. Um, so yeah, look, I think the. it's slow right now because one, it's weird. It's weird because we don't have this forced um, winter meetings where everyone's going to be in the same room. So that usually forces people to start conversations and to start making decisions. We're not going to have that. Um, You know, we have what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know. We will see. Uh, I think last year around 40 players got non-tendered. It'll be interesting to see if there are a lot more this year or, you know, or not. Um, But you know, it's, I don't think, I think I've told you this before, the teams are going to cry poor. They always do. They do even in non, you know, COVID-19 years, yeah. they, they complain. It's like, it's like when I complain about saving my money, but I'll go on Amazon and buy five things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So they love to, you know, cry poor, but in the end, like they'll spend money. And uh, so look, I, I think, Ultimately, it's just going to be, they're trying to sweat some players out. Um, I haven't, you know, at least like, you know, Trevor's in a different caliber than all these guys. And so it's just, his market is very different. Um, You know, we haven't really felt a a squeeze from the teams and teams saying, you know, we're poor, we can't spend. Help me, poor. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, I think the, the December 2nd, tomorrow, the, the non-tender deadline is going to be an interesting one. Um, you know, there might very, there very well could be a big influx of players that are now on the free agent market. Yeah. And I'm, I, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, every year that goes by, I get more and more in like in depth in my coverage. And I'm really, I'm really thankful for that. Um, but I, it just like, it's a lot. So I guess with this season, this off season, it's just, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just something different. I've never experienced and none of us have. Um, so with that being said, we're going to move on to a different client of yours. Um, Eric Jagers uh, just got hired an assistant coach for the, the Reds. Mm-hmm. He is the big league assistant pitch or pitching coach for the Reds. He is the youngest, youngest. assistant pitching coach in MLB history with the oldest team, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's your client. And mm-hmm. I, I saw that and I'm interested just because I know you have a softball client in page and you have, of course, baseball players. It just me, I have an agent myself, you know, I work in the media. So I'm curious, how would you handle a Trevor Bauer compared to an Eric Jagers because there's still contracts involved. There's still things you have to emulate in their contract, but how do you pro approach a coaching contract compared to what you're used to with baseball players? It's very different. So uh, Eric Jagers is, he was my first pitching or my first coaching uh, coach client. And he actually, right when I had signed Bauer, he knew Bauer. He knew me uh, from driveline. I spent a lot of time up there, um, you know, watching what they do and getting to know those guys. And Jagers, he's 25 years old, but this kid is so, he's so smart. And he came to me and was like, look, I saw what he, he saw, what DJ did, um, the, you know, head pitching coach for the Reds. And he saw when he ended up signing with the Reds, he kind of went 
on the free agent market. And he was the first coach to really do that. He was like, why can't I just, you know, shop, shop my services around and so see how, how, how does he become, how does he do that? Cause I, I kind of get what baseball he, players do, but how does a coach do that? Well, he pretty much just said like, I want to interview all these, like, and I'm, I'm a free agent. He, he, you know, he ended up kind of just announcing it. He's like, I'm a free agent and I want to know who wants me. But the thing is, is that it's so, it's so different. It's so old school with how contracts work and how you know, the front office and the coaching staff organization organizationally, you know, works and operates compared to players, right? They don't have unions. They don't have any of that. Uh, Managers have, you know, they have agents usually, but there's no reason that a lot of these coaches don't have agents as well, or at least a lawyer to look through their contracts. And so what they do, they have players have uniform player contracts, UPCs. So there it's very standard language. Um, the employees have the uh, UEC, the uniform employment contract, very standard. And guess what? Very, very team friendly, not employee friendly at all. And as a lawyer, when you read these, you're like, oh my God, you guys have no rights at all. And they so even, feel like these guys are getting shafted. Yeah. And okay. even as, even as far as, um, you know, that you heard the Mets kind of brought this up, actually, I think in a press conference or some in the media recently about how they're kind of disappointed or I think Steve Cohen was frustrated with how unavailable a lot of the, um, like a lot of the people he wanted to interview at for GM positions, how unavailable they were. And he, he didn't, he was denied access. So that's the thing for these coaches. When you're with a team, you, like other teams cannot, they have to ask permission basically to, in order to talk, they have to ask permission with the current coaches. Right. Team and I did know that because I've heard like coaches been like, thank you for the angels for letting me interview with this guy and yeah. that guy or whoever. Okay. So, okay. so they have to, they can be denied access, which is a very weird thing. Like a lot of contracts have uh, clauses in it where, they're, um, you know, standard kind of non-compete. So you might not be able to compete for an, like, you know, for a certain amount of time, um, with another, um, in another company that, or, you know, work for another company. That's you and I've talked about non-competes before. Yes. Yeah. So, but this is different, right? They can deny you access. Like you cannot talk teams are not allowed to talk to you and offer you a job for more money, et cetera unless your current employer gives them permission. And usually they're supposed to give them permission if it's going to be um, a promotion from your current position with the team. But a lot of times they just won't, won't even tell the coach. So the coach has no idea that people are interested, other teams. And so anyways, Jagers came to me and he was like, look, I want you to represent me and I want your help with, you know, with, my contract. And I want to make sure that like with strategy and all this stuff. So I started helping him last year. He was with, um, he was actually interviewing. Um, he was looking at, uh, basically like the Phillies and the Reds and it was very different in the approach. Um, the, even teams are very like uncomfortable with the idea that, Oh my God, this like pitching coach or this coach has an agent it's smart in no way do they think like, Oh, you're, you're not allowed to do that. They're just like, Oh shoot. Like we have to be a little more careful and it helps. It helps Jagers in the beginning too, in a lot of ways, because last year there were certain things that he felt like he could, you know, in a lot of times you might be uncomfortable to ask your, you know, 
future employer certain questions like, well, will I be able to have this? Or what about this? And it's helpful when you can almost hide behind the, you know, your agent and be like, well, my lawyer or my agent told me that I need to ask this. Oh, so we love making y'all the asshole. The yeah, so, we and that's that. totally fine. Like I'll gladly be the asshole yeah. here and you can hide behind me. And that's what, that's what, you know, Jagers was able to do in a lot of ways where, if, you know, there's certain things that he's a little uncomfortable asking and he's not sure if it'll be taken the wrong way. Assume it is taken the wrong way, which yeah. usually never is. Then right. he's like, look, sorry, I told, you know what, you're right. But my agent was just like, you know, or my lawyer yeah. was like, I asked this, but I totally get it. So you can kind of, you, you have a little bit of a, you know, safety net there. Um, so I started helping him out and, you know, a lot of times throughout the year, we just strategize on, you know, next moves, next contracts, different team possibilities of where, you know, um, where he could end up, uh, places that might need him, uh, you know, as a, you know, pitching coach, things like that. And so I can kind of keep, keep my eyes and ears open and he does the same, but I usually with him, I actually don't, there's less of a direct uh, negotiation with the clubs with me. Um, when I represent him, it's more of, he's still, because they're, again, they're very uncomfortable with the idea of them having agents. He's actually doing it, but we're strategizing together. Like, okay, this is, we break it down. Like, this is what you need to ask for. You need to go through, let's first ask for this, then this. And we kind of come up with a plan. Um, but you know, he's, he's super smart. Um, he's super forward thinking, which I love. And he's, you know, trying to pave the way he's going to be like the youngest pitching coach in MLB history. Just watch. That's really cute. Do you know who the second youngest behind him is? Um, I don't know. It might be Caleb Coffin, who's now the head pitching coach with the Phillies. I, um, I remember about him because who else? I brought up Caleb Coffin. Oh, because he was Ramon Laureano's best friend who works in the Astros organization, became the youngest minor league coach, I think, to Caleb, behind Caleb. Okay. But like, it was like an overall thing. Yeah. Like, it was like... I, Maybe it was Caleb. I don't know, but I, and I should know that because I literally reported on the story. It's fine. Um, but no, that's really interesting because it's just like the approach is different and it's different, but that, that like that helps you. It betters you, like your overall thing as far as like how you can view what teams are doing. Right. Right. So, I mean, but it's very, um, it's so interesting to see. And it's, it's quite honestly, I, I think it's something I read one article. Um, I actually work with a sports scientist for the Dodgers, Kate Weiss, who I, I'm help her with her contracts as well. And she I actually, I don't know if she sent it to me or Jager sent it to me, but an article of, it was one of the first articles I've ever seen that really unveils the kind of secrecy of what these contracts look like for coaches and how restrictive they are and, you know, limiting. And it's something that I think a lot of people would be really appalled with, you know, but MLB will hate me for talking about it, I guess, but we don't, and we don't want that. Um, That's why I'm here for Jagers to protect him from. Yeah, no. And it's great. And it's funny that you mentioned like, cause my agents always like, just use me as an excuse. Yeah. Just use me as an excuse. It's like that friend who you're like, I don't want to text this guy back. We'll say that like, yeah, I'm bugging you. Yeah. I tell, 
I told you, we were talking about that one time too. Like I, people tell me all the time. I mean, Bauer will tell me this. He's like, you're, you need your own agent, Rachel, because like, it's hard to negotiate for yourself. It really is. It's oh my not- gosh. Yeah. I, I, like, it's like when I give my friends dating advice, I'm amazing yeah. about it. Do I take my own dating advice? Yeah. Fuck no. But you know, I give them great yeah. advice. If anyone needs an agent, if anyone is an agent out there that wants to represent an agent, I mean, it's I like can- a therapist needs a therapist too. You need like somebody kind of there for you. So that's interesting. Yeah. If, if, if anybody's looking and can be a bigger asshole than Rachel for her clients. Hey, I need to work on being more of an asshole half the time. So yeah, see, I don't agree. I think you're a great asshole. And I mean that really, I no, that's- really mean that. That's, that's great because it's funny, Jacqueline Dahl, um, you know, she's yeah. uh, Patrick Mahomes. She does his marketing. She's a badass. We talk about this all the time of how uh, both of us are so we're naturally like we're used to being nice to people yeah. and we don't like being assholes, but in this industry, you absolutely have to be an asshole sometimes. Yeah. Yes. And so like, she was funny. She was telling me, she's like, sometimes I just start rewatching Entourage and I just, you know, especially the scenes with Ari yeah. because I need some motivation for being, to be an asshole. I'm like, that's brilliant. Yeah, you know, I, I, no, I agree. And I, I feel like I'm the same way. Like I'll go to bat for my friends. Like it's nothing. Right. When it comes to myself, I'm like, okay, well, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's so weird. And I wish, I'm sure there's like, actually there's more, science and psychology with that right like we don't understand our own worth in a way so it's kind of interesting from that um you signed Yasiel Puig he's now your client I'm curious just because like how did that all go down Yasiel Puig's always been a question mark and enigma for me I you know and I say this with love he just he's he's a he's a difficult client to take on and not only that but I, I just remember covering him a lot of teams said that too. Like when you get Yasiel Puig, you get all of him. So I'm curious, just because I love the guy. I think he's so perfect for the game and he makes it fun. He licks bats, all the things. How did that process go down? And, you know, what's the deal with this situation with him and Trevor going up in a throwing competition? Uh, yeah, so the, I'll, t- I'll talk about the throwing competition after. But um, Yasiel, I love, I love Yasiel. Um, I've always, you know, watched him and the way, I mean, fans, the way they love Yasiel is incredible. Um, you know, I lived in, went to school in LA for seven years um, and everybody loved Yasiel. And you watch him play and nobody plays. There are very few players that play yeah. with as much passion as, as that guy does. And then you start to hear, like I started to hear, you know, more of, you know, the bad stuff with him and my first thought, and maybe it's because I've been around Bauer for, you know, so many years was like, I net whatever people say about a player when it's negative, I'm always, I always take it with a grain of salt because I have heard every bad thing pretty much that people have said about Bauer. Is that the player in you? Do you think well, I mean, yeah, you, first of all, like I, I I'm the first to be like, okay, you heard, where'd you hear that from? How do you know it? She, if you don't, if you don't Rachel know, Rachel does that with me too. If I'm bitching and complaining about somebody, Rachel's like, well, like, okay. And I'm like, okay, touche. Yeah. 
But that's how, I mean, look, if you don't know it firsthand, it's hearsay. Like you just, you heard it through the rumor mill. And I don't think it's fair to judge anybody unless you know them personally. And because I saw what happened with Bauer, I saw these people had really strong feelings about him. And I'm like, this is incredible. You don't even know him. Like you've never even been in the same room as this guy and the feelings you have about him. I mean, they're intense. And so like that made me frustrated. Um, and I started to realize like it was, first of all, I mean, it was very likely that it was the same with Puig because then I started hearing people that knew Puig personally and the way they talk about him is just like, he is like, Puig will, he goes, he will take on an entire team for you after he's been traded because like that's loyalty and like you're his team. And like, that's the kind of teammate you want. Like people who know Puig love Puig and I, so, you know, I always start, I started to realize quickly, like he reminded me of Trevor in a lot of ways, just because I think he's really misunderstood. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's almost like a, it's not a project, but it's like, I think there's something, I don't know if it's this uh, maternal kind of instinct in me that I have, but my ability, the way to, to see someone for, you know, I, I, because I saw it with Bauer too. I saw, you know, even his. Well, and I feel like it's a black sheep mentality too. Like you, right. you, you kind of go against the grain and against, right. like, I get that. Yeah. But, but I saw it with Bauer, like with his previous agency and sometimes like, and I know it like frustrated Trevor, you know, when he felt like it was like the team or people were saying things about him and he never felt like he had an advocate, like somebody who, you know, was his advocate and was on his side. It was more of like, people always seem to be an apologist for him. And like, that is, I, I don't what like do you mean that. By that? It, it was more of a, you know, yeah, I'll talk to him. I'm sorry he did that. Or, you know, well, like rather than like advocate for him, explain gotcha. to them why, explain why. So he, like when the media is well, more kind of being dicks, like, Hey, did you see what Yasiel Puig did? They would answer saying like, Oh, I'm sorry. He did that as opposed to yeah, except, this isn't it, how he is. Right. Or with a team too, you know, like the team's up mad, mad that a player did something this way. And instead of, you know, telling the team, look, did you think, did you consider maybe the way he saw it was this? And I'm a big believer with everyone in life. And I do this even like, you know, with other people I work with and, you know, with my friends and the people they work with, I try to, you know, when they have these strong feelings about someone, I'm like, hold on for a second. Yeah. Like, put yourself in their shoes. Do you see why maybe they interpreted it this way? And I think it's really important for people to understand that side of people in in every aspect. With political views, I think the same thing. You have to understand why do they think this way, right? It's important. And maybe, you know, I learned it in law school, like really get in the head of the other person. And I don't think people do that enough. And so I think though, that's helpful with a lot of times when players are misunderstood or may, you know, and maybe they, they react to certain things because they're up bringing. I mean, Yasiel, how do you think he got to America? He got to the only way Cuban players get to America, human trafficking. Yeah. He was smuggled here. That is the only way. I mean, he comes from something most people could never imagine. Right. Um, You know, and so being able to try to understand why someone might react the way they do or play the way they do, you know, uh, is I think important. And so that was always something that, um, you know, I've, I've tried to, I try to do with players and he, he was very like intriguing to me. And it was intriguing to me that he didn't have a job last year, yeah. you know, with how talented he is. And it's funny because people talk about, oh, well, he had this huge decline, but like, look at his numbers. He actually really didn't. And he's, I mean, he's 29 years old. Yeah. 
the people think like there's this idea that he had this massive decline and that he's old neither are true and so it like I I think I can help him and I you know think that the the game has changed the game is different now the game is played even just this last year you know I talk about this all the time but in 2019 the postseason in the world series Bregman carried his bat to first base and he apologized yeah and we fast forward one season and we've got players bat flipping and nobody's apologizing anymore I agree I agree and that's his game yeah and it's funny that you mentioned Bregman so Yasiel Puig gave me one of my all-time favorite world series moments and that, and Bregman was involved and it was game five, 2017. I was at the bar. I had just finished my cut four shift. I went to the bar, watched the game. And I can't remember. I just remember Yasiel Peak running to first. And there was a situation and I was so jacked. And my girlfriend I was with who hates baseball was injecting that shit into her veins. She loved it. And I remember at the time thinking, Baseball is not complete without Yasiel Puig. I don't, I, I'm not exaggerating. I genuinely said this. So yeah. the, I'm right there with you. The fact that he didn't have a job. I know there were some situations with like the, 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 the positive COVID test that happened, but it's just like, he was so important. I know he had, he had to grow up a little bit. He, but I also, you mentioned the, the misunderstood, which is how I felt about Trevor. I, but now that Trevor is more, more his platform's bigger. So he, in, in, he kind of took over the media and said, this is who I am in a, in a big way. I feel like you're the perfect person to represent a Yasiel Puig for that reason, because you can kind of show him, Hey, you can be in charge of your own platform. Right. That way the media doesn't, doesn't have to twist your words or anything like that, because you're standing up for yourself and you're saying those things, what, what Trevor did. So he, Trevor is no longer misunderstood. We kind of get who he is because he is so open. So I feel like Yasiel Puig can do that. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, his, it, it's funny because everyone was trying to tell him, and I think in this last year too, like, you know, you just need to lay low. Like, don't go so much on social media. Like, you know, apologize for how you used to be. And, and people have asked me this even on social media recently and they saw that I signed Puig. They're like, are you going to tame him? And I was like, Luba Sports doesn't tame players. Like, I embrace them. Like, I want people to, like, Puig can be Puig. I want Puig to make content because Puig makes great content. Fans love him. Baseball needs Puig. Like, I say that, and I mean that more than anything. Like, and I truly believe it. Baseball needs Puig. I mean, that the game is not the same without Puig in it. And he brings something that no other player, I think, really brings to the game. And so I'm excited for him to get a job. I am too. And I feel like, like you mentioned, like it's, it's like the most beautiful timing too. We're embracing the Francisco Lindors and everything like that. Cause I feel like the people complaining about the Lindor bat flip, it was an exaggeration. Like, it's like, okay, maybe 14 people were upset. It's whatever. So I think we're ready to embrace Yasiel Puig, even with all the bullshit. And this is not attached to Yasiel Puig. This is all the, I'm speaking for all the players that have bullshit in their lives. I like that you kind of mentioned that, right? Because I feel, and I and correct me if I'm wrong, you would not present represent a player who was a shitty person, right? No. I mean, I mean, I think we all have our things. I could, I could be considered a shitty person. I don't know, but I'm really excited to see this this guy. And and you know, from a media perspective, I don't know him personally. I've had very limited access to him, and you know, I've met him a couple times, but. Yeah. I genuinely think it's time for us to say, 
okay, let's bring Yasiel back. And it's the perfect timing. And you have someone like Trevor who can vouch for him. And I got to be honest, I don't remember a player ever saying, like really sticking up for him. I really don't, which kind of sucks. But I don't think that, yeah, I don't think it was anti-Yasiel. I think it was just like the player not wanting to comment because the media yeah, would but, but if you talk to players that know him like they love him and yeah. a, a lot of players love him uh you know and but that's a, that's normal i mean trevor sticks his neck out all the time and does things and nobody he turns around and and no one's there but believe me there's a million texts that he gets of like hey man i support what you're doing but you don't you don't see those like he does but no one else does and everyone thinks oh this dude's on an island like that's that's just the reality of like doing something that's that's still not completely accepted is people are very quiet and very careful about you know having like standing behind you and until it becomes more accepted and so that's that's the reality of it but I think this is a this is his environment um this is what he will thrive in and I think baseball is I mean they're gonna be excited to see him back welcome back Yasiel Puig I'm fucking stoked. I'm excited. We're going to kill it. All right. Well, that's all we have for Corked Up. Um, This is a fun episode and you look good in leopard, mama. Killing it. Thanks. Here's to you. And I love you so much. And I'm so proud of you. I love you too.